0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me once again to the book of 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy and chapter number two, the book of 2 Timothy and chapter number two, just a few more short messages until we are finished with this series and we'll be moving on to something else, but we've been spending the last couple, um, (coughs) excuse me. Messages dealing with the pastoral epistles. We've already surveyed and went through the book of 1 Timothy. We've examined Second. Timothy. Um the book of Titus, and now we're on the book of 2 Timothy, finishing it up. We understand that right now the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. He, we know that he will be executed in a small amount of time, and he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, who was the pastor of the church of Ephesus, to try to give him some last-minute instructions to be the pastor of that church, to help the church folks to be able to move forward. And now we find our way to the end of the book of 2nd Timothy in chapter number 2, the end of this chapter, chapter number 2, and we pick it up in the book of 2nd Timothy, chapter number 2, starting at verse number 20. 2nd Timothy, chapter 2, and in verse number 20, we see this, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be patient, gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance according to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at. His will. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 2? The book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2 in verse 21. And notice the phrase, the vessel unto honor. A vessel unto honor. And with the Lord's help, we would like to preach this illustration that the Apostle Paul is using under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A vessel unto honor. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would just help us open up our understanding, give us a clarity about what is being illustrated here, that we could be obedient to what you've been giving to us. I'm asking that by the time we're done, that we would have people that would desire to be an instrument used in your hands. Again, this is something that your spirit must do and the word must open up. So the best I know how, I just ask that I get out of the way and that you would do your own work, that you would use me as a vessel now as your instrument to get your work accomplished through your precious word. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the victories. Thank you for working in folks' life and that you would do something wonderful again tonight. And in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. The Bible goes on in verse number 20 to give an illustration. It starts off by saying in verse number 20, but in a great house. In the great house here, it's referring to the idea of a church. So it's giving the idea of a local church and saying inside of a local church, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of wood and of earth. Now, it's talking about vessels. It's talking about... Uh, instruments that are used, like bowls. It's using um, (coughs) the idea of buckets, those type of things, vases. You could imagine something that you could use as a container. And so when you go around, even in your own house, you have different containers. Some of you have your favorite container that's filled with a substance, and you have your favorite cup. It's the cup that you use. How many of you have that one cup that you just love to use? It's yours. I mean, and you don't want to use anything else. This is your cup. You would call that your vessel of honor. This is a vessel that is set aside for your use. It's a vessel that, that you want to use. It is a vessel that's valuable to you. It's a vessel that's been proven itself reliable. That's what we're talking about here is that there are vessels, there are instruments that can be used in the hands of a master, used for honor. But unfortunately, there's some vessels that are used for dishonor. Notice again in verse 20. But in the great house, so in a local church, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. So here it's talking about their value, their worth. You know, there are some vessels that are more valuable to us. Your favorite coffee cup, uh, that's valuable to you. But there's vessels of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. So think about some different vessels, all right? So if you had to choose between your favorite coffee cup and a trash can, which would be more valuable to you? What would you consider to be more worthy, more honorable? Well, probably your favorite coffee cup. Think about back in those days, they um, (coughs) had um, dirt roads, and so they had a vessel coming into any house that was used to wash feet. And so could you imagine that water inside of that vessel? Is that where you would put your greatest Chinese Ming vase and use it for the cleaning people's feet? Probably not. You'd probably put something that you didn't value as much. And that's, it would be its job. It was useful. It had a job, but it was used to contain the water to wash people's feet. Probably not going to use your favorite coffee cup for that. And so we know, thinking about it, there is different vessels and they have different uses and some of them have more value and some do not have more value. When it's talking about the idea of gold and silver, the reason why they're more valuable as it's giving this illustration is because they have their worth and their power from the master's hands. When it's talking about the idea of wood and it's talking about of earth, it's talking like the idea of, in this case, doing what only man could do. Man could do some things by himself, but we don't want to be satisfied with what just man can do. We want to be satisfied with what the master can do with his hands. For example, you remember back in the Old West they had in every uh, store they had a spit tune where they had the people drink in their, or had that chaw in their mouth. And they would spit, ba-ding. right? You wouldn't want to carry that vessel around with you. That wouldn't be what you would carry around. Its job is to stay over there. It would be a vessel of dishonor. It'd be a vessel that had its own use. The master didn't touch it. It was set aside. Does that make sense? So it has a purpose, but it's not special because it's not used in the master's hands. And so here, it's giving the illustration that within a house, a great house, the church, there are vessels of gold and vessels of silver, but also of wood and honor. There are some vessels that are just too used for honor, and there are some to dishonor. So if a man, therefore, purge himself from these, notice this, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So now we get the idea here. What is it? As Paul is telling Timothy, and he's using this illustration, he's saying, you need to be used to be a vessel of honor. You want to be that favorite coffee cup. You want to be the thing that's used in the master's hand so the master can get his jobs done. You want to be used that way. You want to strive to be a a vessel of honor. What happens to your favorite coffee cup if you decide you're gonna put hot coffee on it and then I don't want the coffee and then you put ice into it and it cracks? Can you drink coffee out of it anymore? No. But you don't want to throw it away, so now you set it as a display. It's it's set aside or throw it away. You know, it makes sense. It's not used for what it was designed for anymore. So here it's giving this illustration that you ought to want to be a vessel of honor, a vessel used. In the hands of God, the vessel that is used for God to get accomplished what he wants to get accomplished. He wants to make us vessels of honor. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to walk through this passage with the idea here, how can we be made a vessel of honor? How can we be made a tool useful in God's hands? How can we be an instrument that God can rely upon <coughs> to get the job done. For example, there's some mechanics in here. Don't you have your favorite tools? And then there's tools you don't want to use at all. I mean, you have them because you don't want to throw them away. They're a tool. <coughs> but if you had the choice, you don't want to use it. Maybe it's that ratchet that kind of just sticks. Or And so we want to be a a tool that is useful in God's hands, that God enjoys using, that He knows is going to reliable. And so using this passage here in this illustration, how can we be made a vessel unto honor? If you don't mind, let me show you a couple things. First of all, to be a vessel unto honor, they must separate from those not teaching the truth. A vessel unto honor must separate from those not teaching the truth. Notice again, and you don't mind, (coughs) in verse number 21, it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these. Remember, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. And what it's talking about is the context above. Remember, right above the context, it's talking about the study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more godliness. And their word, it talks about these people, and it's talking about those who have erred from the truth. And then it goes right into the vessel of honor, and it's talking about to shun those, therefore purge thyself from these. That we're supposed to separate ourselves from false teachers. False teaching makes us less usable in God's hands. We need to be under good teaching and stay away from bad teaching. Bad teaching can wear us down. It can make it so that way we're not as sharp, that we're not as useful as an instrument. And we have a desire to be used. So we need to stay away from false teaching. As we go on, what else can we do to make ourselves a vessel unto honor? That God can make us a vessel unto honor. Not only should we separate from those not teaching the truth, but a vessel unto honor must be prepared. A vessel unto honor must be prepared. Notice with me in verse number 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. So this is what we're talking about. And prepared unto every good work. That a vessel unto honor is something the master is going to use, but that vessel must be prepared. It must be ready to be used. It must be worked on. If you think about clay, well, let's use your coffee pot. Maybe some of you don't even know how coffee cups are made. But of course, you start off with the clay, the ceramic that's used for it, and they make it. But did you know the ceramic is poisonous to you? That's why you're not supposed to drink a cup that has cracks in it or chips in it. Because that ceramic is actually poison to you. So what they have to do is they put a glaze over the cup. And that's what makes it look pretty. Whether it's black or whether it's white or purple or whatever it is. And so they put the glaze over it. And that glaze has to be sealed just right. For example, I have a coffee cup that I love. It's pretty, but I can never drink out of it because it's got a big... Uh, hole in the glaze. It didn't glaze all the way over, and so it has a leak to the ceramic. It's not healthy to drink from that cup. It's not prepared correctly. To be a vessel used unto honor, there is a preparation that must be done. It is never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. It has never wasted time for training. It has never wasted time to allow God to prepare you, to make you a vessel. If, For those of you who remember back in the day when you were working with clay in kindergarten and you were working with it, one little mistake can make that whole clay cup collapse in itself. You guys remember when you made the ashtrays and brought it home to mom and it just it looked like a deflated heart? Here you go. Oh, that's nice. I will put it right over here. She probably thought it was a vessel of dishonor, not a vessel of honor. But she had to display it because, you know, you made it. (coughs) You remember those days. It takes work and preparation to get it right, to work on it. There is a preparation. If we're going to be set aside for God's use, if we're going to be useful in God's hand, if we're going to be the instrument used, then there has to be some preparation work. Let's say that where the instrument is a sword. You don't want to take a sword into battle that's not sharp. You need it to be sharp in order to fight the battle. Well, there takes a time of sharpening, of cleaning the blade. There's a lot of things that must be done. Let's say that you want to take that vessel that's been used to wash people's feet. Now you want to go serve, um, <coughs> you want to go serve something else, serve a drink out of it. Well, you're going to have to make sure you clean that, right? By the way, you remember when Jesus turned the water into wine? You know where those buckets were? That's where people washed their hands at. He turned that where people washed their hands in and a good grape juice for people to drink. Well, the master could do all kinds of things, but for us who don't have that power, you have to scrub it. You soap, water, to make it clean, to make it useful, to make it a vessel of honor. It must be prepared. And if we're going to be a vessel unto honor, then there is a preparation work that has to be done for us to be prepared to be useful in God's hands. There's a cleaning, there's a working, oiling, maintenance, QC, whatever needs to be done to make us the vessel that we ought to be. For example, ladies, you're going to have... Um, company over, and you're getting all your fine dishes out. I meant the stuff that you keep locked up year round except for that one time, and you bring them out and you threaten the kids, don't touch, don't touch, and you put everything out. Well, when you put it out and you put your centerpiece in, you're not just going to take them straight from the closet and set up there with the spider webs and the dust all over. There's a preparation that has to be done before you can use them and display it. That's what we're talking about here. If there we're going to be a vessel unto honor, before we're usable, there's a preparation that has to be done. There's a preparation that needs to be done. As we continue on, a vessel unto honor must first separate themselves from those that are not teaching the truth. A vessel unto honor must be prepared. But also this, a vessel unto honor must flee youthful lust. A vessel unto honor must flee useful lust. Notice with me in verse number 22. Flee useful lust. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You know, we live in a pornographic society. And we have a choice that we could either foster our carnal desires or flee from them. You know how easy it is to see something that you're not supposed to see? It is easy. It's just as easy as walking in the supermarket and looking at the magazine rack. It's watching a commercial. You could be watching a sporting event and a commercial comes on. We live in a pornographic society. And you have to flee from it. Mr. Josh, come up here, please. What do we mean by flee from it? Well, the Bible gives a good example. Does your jacket come off easy? Good. All right. Come over here. So you remember in the Old Testament, you had uh, Joseph who was working in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife was looking at him all the time and she tried to corner him. And the one time she grabbed him by the jacket, come here, please. He took off running and left the jacket. You didn't run. You just took off your jacket. You're supposed to go away. Flee. (laughs) Flee. And so that's what Joseph did is he took off out of there. He fled. He kept his integrity. He took off and ran. Thank you. That's the example here. Run from it. There's not a single person in here who could withstand constant temptation and get away with it. Not a single one of us. And so the best course is not to stay there and say, I'm strong enough. That's pride. No one is strong enough to avoid temptation in the long term. Flee it. Run. Don't even stay in that situation. Do whatever it takes. Because if there's one thing that could wreck someone from being useful from the Lord, it's not fleeing useful lust. It could destroy everything. One moment of sin can cripple someone from being used from God at the moment. We understand that. Now, God can do forgiveness and He can do all kinds of things, but you know what I'm talking about. One moment is enough to wreck a marriage, one moment is enough to wreck purity, one moment is enough to wreck a reputation, one moment. And that's all it takes is one moment of weakness, one moment of being in the flesh, one moment of not being spiritually strong, one moment of not being right with God, and it's over. Ask David. Ask him about the consequences that he had for that one moment. And so the Bible says if we're going to be a vessel unto honor, we have to flee youthful lust. That means there are certain things that we don't watch because we want to have a pure mind to be ready to use from God. Flee useful lust isn't just physical, it's mental. As we continue on, notice the Bible says that if we're going to be a vessel unto honor, notice as we continue on in verse... (coughs) excuse me, verse number 22, it says, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. So not only are we supposed to flee youthful lust, but a vessel unto honor follows after righteousness. A vessel under honor follows after a righteousness. In this, imagine that there are four flags, four banners that are leading the way. These four flags are righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. If we're going to be a vessel used to the Lord, it will be as we follow these. Are you following after righteousness? Are you following after faith? Are you following after charity? Are you following after peace? If you are following these things, you can be usable by God and as a vessel under honor. What does this mean? Well, following after righteousness. Are you purposely, on purpose, doing what is right? Not, well, I accidentally did what was right. Are you on purpose following after right? Are you following after faith? On purpose, I am choosing to trust God. On purpose, I'm choosing to look unto him. On purpose, I'm choosing to look to him by faith that he's doing what he's supposed to. If you are not, then you're going to have a hard time being usable by God as a vessel unto honor if you're not following after faith. Are you following after charity? This is a love that God gives. It's a love that cost us something. It's not a convenient love. It's a love that I give with no hope or return. Do you love other people? Do you serve other people not expecting to get anything back? Are you willing to go out there following after peace? Are you willing to follow after and try to do what's peaceable, purposely not antagonizing people, purposely not poking a stick at people, purposely not trying to stir people up, but you're trying to have a peaceful re- coexistence with other people, even who don't agree with you. Are you following after peace? We know that righteousness is manward, word faith is God-word, charity is outward, and peace is inward. We follow after these things. So we're not following four flags in different directions. We're following these in all different dimensions. That righteousness is towards man. Faith is towards God. That charity is outward and peace is inward. If you're following these things, then you could be a vessel unto honor. Something that's valuable in God's hands. Something that is powerful in God's hands. Something that is surrendered and that God could do something more with that instrument than what that instrument can do by itself. As we continue on, we see something else. A vessel unto honor avoids foolish questions. Notice in verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do generate strifes. Their foolish questions are one of the devil's favorite tricks to get a sidetrack. It leads us to profitless discussion. If a question uh, creates strife, stay away from it. Now, there are good questions and a good disciple of Jesus Christ should be asking questions. But there are questions that doesn't matter. What color was David's hair? Who cares? Well, and this little prophetic little thing over here, this little tiny one thing, what do you think this is? Does it matter? Well, it matters to me. Is it gonna affect your Christian life? Well, I'm not going to church if you believe that this isn't this. I've had people leave over little small little things that don't matter for anything. I mean, does it affect Christianity? Does it affect your soul any? Does it affect anything? No, well then <laughs> avoid those things. Someone can get so stuck on a minute detail that they miss everything else and they find themselves not usable by God because they're centered on this one little thing. It's like being stuck. Have you ever used a ratchet that's stuck? <laughs> it, it doesn't work, it, you know, to have something. And so avoid foolish questions. We also see a vessel unto honor must know how to deal with others. A vessel unto honor must know how to deal with others. Notice with me in verse 24. And a servant of the Lord. So here we see the idea of the servant of the Lord. This is a vessel unto honor. Isn't that a great phrase, a servant unto the Lord? There's nothing wrong with being a servant a vessel unto honor. We're being useful for the master's hands. And a servant unto the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. We need to know how to deal with people. The servant of the Lord must not strive or be ready to fight. It carries the idea of carrying around with a clenched fist, ready to go. Go ahead and say something to me. I'm ready. That's not how we should deal with people. We should not already make them on the defensive and that we're in a fight, we're trying to be a help to people. And you can't be a help to people if you're ready to attack. People sense that. They sense that if you're, oh, they just want to have a fight. That's not how we're going to win people. That's not how we deal with people. We should be gentle with all people. Can you be gentle with someone who disagrees with you? Yes. One of the things that we've lost in America is the ability to discuss the ability to talk with someone without trying to tear each other's throats out. You could disagree with someone. There's nothing wrong with that. But we could be gentle with them. We don't have to go attack them and yell at them because they don't agree with us. We need to be gentle with all people, even if they are not gentle. A soft word turneth away anger. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, how many times a soft word The Bible talks about in the uh, book of uh, Corinthians, here's a great phrase, take the wrong. What does that mean? I mean, sometimes say, all right, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, you're right. Even if you don't think you're wrong. What's wrong with that? To stop the fight. Take the wrong. How many husbands and wives the conversation would quickly die out if someone just said, I was wrong, you're right. And not be sarcastic about it. You know, that's fine. Let's do it your way. It's not a big deal. (laughs) To be able to take the wrong. You know what the problem is today? Is that so much pride gets involved that we need to make sure they know we're right. If you know that you're right and they're not going to be convinced, let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Learn to apologize. I'm not turning you to Canadians but nothing wrong with backing away. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to offend you. I apologize for that. How can I be a blessing to you? Surprise them by learning to deal with them, by being gentle. Notice what else it says. In meekness, instruct, uh, sorry, in verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. That means that we need to be ready to explain what we believe and why we believe it to someone. We have a reasonable hope that we should not be the first to start in a yelling conversation. We should be able to teach people what we believe and be able to logically explain what we believe. That we should be able to teach people. That There should be nothing wrong with that. If we're going to be useful for God, then people need to have to know. And then notice what it says, patient. To be patient. The servant of the Lord needs to know how to be patient patient with people. You know, some people act the way they do because they don't know any better. Sometimes we assume that they should know more than they do, but they don't. Let's say that we have a brand new couple that comes in that they've never been to church before. Their kids have never been to church. Should we expect them to sit as good as our church kids? No. Can we be patient with them? Yes. And they'll go through different phases where they squirm. If a baby cries, we don't have to look around and stare at the mother. We understand they haven't been here before. It takes time to teach the kids to sit down and how to listen. How to pay attention. How to sing the songs. By the way, it takes time to teach adults that too. To be patient with them. You know, some people are not as spiritually mature as you are or what you think they should be. Sometimes they just don't know any better then we need to be patient with them if somebody brings in a Bible that we don't use we don't have to snatch it out of their hands and say you're a heathen teach them be patient with them let them grow that makes us to be a vessel unto honor if we be patient with others we need to know how to deal with other people there's one more thing that the Bible says here that a vessel unto honor must be a soul winner. A vessel unto honor must be a soul winner. Remember, that's the one thing that God has given us to do, is to tell others how to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Notice with me in verse number 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. That's a great phrase. They oppose themselves. You know when someone says, I don't need religion. They're hurting themselves because they're going to a real place called hell. Hell is real whether they believe it or not. Someone who says, I don't want to hear what the Bible says. They're hurting themselves. When we pass out a track and they stare at you. I remember Serena was about four or five. And we were passing out tracks. And she passed out a track to someone and that person stared at her. Took the track in front of a four-year-old girl. Ripped it up and threw it down on the ground in front of her. The Bible says they're opposing themselves. They're hurting themselves. We had a lady right up. Where am I at now? We had a lady right over here that we passed out a track to her door And she ran out of the house. She didn't answer the door. When she opened the door, found the track there. She ran down following us. Take this back. Ran down halfway through the block just with no shoes on. Take this back. Take this back. She's opposing herself. She's hurting herself. And so we need to respond to that properly in meekness. Meekness is strength under control. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. I'm sorry that you didn't want that. Thank you. Is there anything I could do to be a blessing to you? I remember when we were passing out um, uh, John and Romans one time. I was with Pastor Griesbach. And we were um, passing out John and Romans. And someone called me and said, Hey, did you just leave one of these things up on my door? How dare you leave that thing in the door? I'm sorry, we weren't trying to... um, to offend you or anything. We were just trying to be a blessing. By the way, is there anything I can do to pray for you on? Well, yeah. And he started giving me some prayer requests and stuff. Well, thank you. If there's anything else we could ever do to be a blessing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Pastor Griesbach said, did you just get that guy to thank you for leaving your track after all? Yes. <laughs> In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. When we have strength under control, we can still work with someone even when they're opposing themselves. However, if we get back in their face and say, listen here, you, don't, you take that tracker, you're going to die and go to hell. That's not going to help them. We need to know how to instruct those in meekness that are opposing themselves. If God, peradventure, would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, sometimes a person can be one to the Lord when they go to a soul winner and they're mad and a soul winner responds with a love of Christ. And they say there's something different about this. And God can work on their heart because of the testimony of a soul winner who responded properly. That God would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Verse 26. Then that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So this is where those people at that are opposing themselves. They're in the snare of the devil. But God can help them to recover to get out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken by him at his will. So Satan has got these people snared. And they're trapped. And they don't realize it. And so when they oppose themselves with meekness, we instruct those just in case that God would work in their life and show them knowledge and they can escape the snare of the devil. That being a vessel unto honor is someone who's going to be a soul winner because that's the main use that God wants to use for his instruments is to tell others about him. And so with this being said... It uses two phrases. It uses the idea of a servant of the Lord, and it uses the idea of a vessel unto honor. So we bring up the question, what kind of instrument do you want to be in the hands of God? A vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? I mean, you're in the church. Do you want to be the trash can or you want to be the favorite coffee cup? Do you want to be something that's on display or do you want to be something usable by God in battle? Do you want to be useful in God's hands? That's up to you. But God can make you a vessel into honor. You could do, see be used of God to see amazing things accomplished. But God is just looking for instruments. He's looking for instruments that are prepared, ready to be used. He's looking for servants of Him that He can trust with the work to be done. And that it's God that gets it done, not us. We're just the instrument. It is God that does the work. A vessel unto honor or a vessel to dishonor?